have the best seat in the house for the Utah Jazz. Welcome to the front row. I'm your host, Holly Rowe. And today we have a big surprise because Coach Wojciechowski, this is really um, our first time we get to interact since you've become the head coach of the Salt Lake Stars. But I go way, 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 way back with you. You were an assistant coach at Duke. And I would have to ask you questions walking off at halftime because Coach K didn't like to do those interviews. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a while, though. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Chris Collins and I used to always draw yes. straws. Like, who's going to do the halftime interview? I know. Why do people hate those? I, I think it's a good opportunity to get information out there like, hey, here's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. We never really asked Coach. We just did what we were told. But uh, yeah. Yeah, later in his career, he started doing them a little bit more. Yeah. But it was a good opportunity for us as assistants to have a chance to speak to the sideline uh, reporters and, and be in front of the camera and execute a head coach duty. So I want to start there just because I'm I'm just really intrigued. I've done a lot of Duke basketball in my lifetime, including coaches last year. Um, what is with the Duke brotherhood and the guys that come out of being assistant coaches with Mike Krzyzewski? Because there is a vast network of you who've all been very successful. What, what was special about your time there? It's helped you as you now coach the Salt Lake City Stars. Well, I think it speaks volumes of the impact that Coach K had on his players in that so many of his former players have gone into the basketball world. Um, a lot of us were coaches. I mean, on, on the, just my time as a staff, Johnny Dawkins, who coached Taylor Hendricks, Chris Collins, who's the head coach of Northwestern, Jeff Capels, the head coach of Pitt. And, and I think it all goes back to paying it forward. You know, if you think about the things that I gained through my experience in playing for coach, much more than just the basketball piece of it, the life experiences, the memories, the chance to impact and hopefully make people better. Uh, when that's done for you, um, you want to do it for other people because it's so meaningful and powerful. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why you see so many of his former players in the game of basketball at very high levels. Yeah, it was cool. I got to be there for Coach K's final game in Cameron, and it was a great honor, all the guys that came back. It was so hundreds and hundreds of people came back, so it was it was very special. All right, I don't want to get sidetracked on that because this is about you, but it's just my reference point with you. Um, so you, you go to Marquette, you go into coaching. You've been a head coach for a long time now, since 2014. How did you get to Utah? Like, What was the phone call or what was the moment of you're going to come and live in Salt Lake City? Well, um, you know, my wife is from Utah. And so when I was coaching at Marquette, we bought a home in Park City as kind of an off-season and a, and a future thing. And so when I was let go at Marquette, we moved here. And, um, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, um, right between BWI and Baltimore City. So it's uh, very different worlds from out here. Uh, but in my time of visiting the state and being around Salt Lake and the metropolitan area, I, I grew to love it. It was a place where I felt like my blood pressure uh, always went down because of the beauty and, and the atmosphere. Um, so moved out here. And uh, while my first year out of college coaching, Quinn Snyder was the head coach of the Jazz, and, and Quinn coached me, and uh, we still have a close relationship to this day. So I spent a lot of time down here. Uh, it was kind of a chance to learn and get my basketball fixed since I wasn't uh, coaching and and have have followed it and stayed around and met a lot of people through that experience and uh, when Scott Morrison um, got the job with the Jazz 
uh, the Jazz called, Marquise Newman called me and asked if I'd be interested in coaching. And uh, the G League's always been intriguing to me uh, because of its mission. You know, the, the mission of the G League is development. And it's to develop players, first and foremost, but also coaches. And I think anybody that's in coaching got in it uh, to help people, uh, to grow people, to hopefully um, help people reach the level that they aspire to reach. And the G League is the best league in the world for that. And so it was an opportunity I, I couldn't turn down. In fact, I ran to it, and uh, I'm very thankful I did. Um, talking about development, you have a unique relationship because the Utah Jazz are giving you some of their most prized assets, right? They have these draft picks, and they want to develop them. What is your relationship like with Will Hardy, and what type of daily, weekly communication is happening for him to say, hey, here's what I need these guys to work on, it, or your vision of what you need your team to look like? Yeah, Will's been fantastic, and uh, even before I got the uh, the job with the Jazz, I loved coming to watch him run a practice and teach and communicate. And um, but since I'm you know quote unquote embedded now, the relationship has really grown, and he and his staff have been incredible about communicating uh, what they want and what they need, because uh, our goal is to serve them, and certainly. Um, with Bryce and Taylor and the three two ways, there's a lot of jazz quote unquote guys that uh, have been under my watch for this beginning of the season. So we have uh, a lot of communication. Uh, they're very clear on what they want, and it's my job, my staff's job, uh, to try to facilitate that type of environment and growth. This is a weird question, but I'm fascinated by this, is how experimental can you be or how just kind of straightforward, hey, we want to see how Taylor Hend Hendricks can defend ball screens. Or are you like, hey, we want to see what's what's different about his game that we may not have unlocked yet? Yeah, I think it's it's initially it's been preparing them for when their opportunity arises to come with the Jazz. So certainly the way we communicate is very similar in terms of uh, the calls and the, the offensive and defensive communication. And our system is very similar because um, just like Taylor came up the other night, we don't want him to have to learn a whole new system when he gets the opportunity of a lifetime, his first kind of meaningful NBA minutes. So we have to mirror, especially when we have so many jazz guys, um, what the jazz do. So there may be a time uh, when our roster changes where we can be a little bit more experiential in what we're trying to do or, or add our own little wrinkles or things we believe in. Um, but for the sake of the jazz players, at this point, we've tried to mirror uh, as best we can um, what the jazz do. Coach Hardy had some interesting comments the other night before the jazz game because we knew Taylor was going to get a play because of some injuries and roster issues and he said, you know, the G League is great, but it's a little smaller, not quite as long. So the decision time is different in the NBA. What have you seen so far? You know, it's early in your season, but what have you seen about the talent level in the G League right now and how guys have to adapt? Well, the talent levels in the G League is as good as it's ever been. And, um, you know, we they've added a third two-way. And that's new this year. So you have three basically guys on every team that are a part of their parent organization. 
That, in addition to the fact that more teams are getting more and more comfortable with assigning their draft picks. So, you know, really every game we're playing against, you know, three to five parent property players. And so the, the G League guys are more in support roles throughout the league. So the talent is at an all-time high, which is saying something because even before the addition of the third two-way or the fact that teams have gotten more and more comfortable with assigning players there, it's probably the third best league in the world. And in talking to some of my friends in, in the NBA and the front, they're saying it may be approaching the second best league in the world. Keep in terms of Europe and in, some of that high In level. terms of talent. Now, most of the players are younger, so they don't have some of the seasoning uh, that the older players in, say, the Euro League may have. But from a talent standpoint, it's it's off the charts. I got obsessed this summer. I This is how weird I am. It's like summer, I have time off, and I'm watching the G League You never take time off. A- every time I share it on the TV, there's Holly at the, on the fo- at the football game. Oh, my gosh, she's doing a college basketball game, and now I turn on the jazz. It's amazing. It, it's crazy, but I got obsessed with the G League documentary. And, you know, part of it was because it was Scoot Henderson was one of the primary figures in yeah. that. And I was like, these guys are grinding. So it's not quite quite as glamorous as the NBA, you know, the travel's a little bit different. Some of those things are different, but the level of basketball and coaching is high. How impressed have you been with that so far? I've been extraordinarily impressed. I mean, there's great coaches, there's great players. The guys are hungry because they're on the cusp of realizing a childhood dream. And there's just a couple adjustments or areas of growth uh, that if they make, they'll, they'll realize a dream that's about as hard as any dream to realize in professional sports. Um, so the level of competition night in and night out is incredible. Um, you know, it really forces you to grow as a coach, forces these players to grow when it's not really set up. Like a lot of the guys that I coach uh, are coming from high-level college programs where it's charter flights and it's, you know, five-star hotels and you know, the best, because the best of college now is, in some respects, is treated professionally. Um, so the, the grind is a little bit more, but that's, uh, it really, it it shows who really wants it, because the guys who are able to stay focused through a six-hour bus trip and still uh, compete at a high level are guys that really have a different level of hunger, uh, which is what you need to, to survive in the NBA. Let's talk about a couple of uh, specific guys because, you know, we're really excited for the rookies. So I want to start with Taylor Hendricks because I thought in the game recently where he got called up for the Jazz, you could see the flashes of his defensive, um, first of all, just intangible instincts and um, his length. So tell me, how have you evaluated Taylor so far and where do you think he's grown the most under your coaching? Yeah, you know, Taylor's been an absolute joy and pleasure. Um, you know, you have a, a top 10 pick who's in the G League, and there's a lot of guys who would look at that as uh, a disappointment instead of an opportunity. And Taylor's looked at it as an opportunity to grow and get better, and he's grown in uh, a multitude of ways. One of the ways is just the awareness of how you get on to the NBA court as a young player. And the easiest way to do that is defensively. And he's embraced that. You know, we've put him on the best players for the other G League teams. Oftentimes, those are first-round draft picks or on assignment as well. 
He's embraced those opportunities. He, he plays uh, like an athlete defensively for his size and length. He moves incredibly well. So he's embraced that. Like He understands that he's a defense-first player. And that's how he's going to get on the court. And I think you saw that the other night. You know, I was really proud of him uh, for, you know, how he he did the other night. On the offensive end, it's understanding what his role is and where he's going to be effective uh, when he's with the Jazz and trying to simulate that role in the G League. Even though, you know, he can probably do more, you want to train him for the job that he, he wants. And so really in the most recent games he's kept it pretty simple and fundamental and hasn't forced the game offensively and as a result he's really efficient really productive and he impacts winning at a high level and that's what he'll have to do for coach hardy he's going to have to defend and he's going to have to pick and choose his spots offensively um but he he's done that and he's done that uh, with a great attitude and embracing the opportunity. You know, with the highest possible ceiling, what kind of offensive player do you see him becoming? Like, what skill set? Because I'm watching him in warm-ups, and he's got a pretty good handle. He can really hit the three. You know, at 6'8", he he has a pretty natural three-point shot. But where do you see him as an offensive player? Well, I think initially he's trending towards a 3 and D guy. You know, you have to remember with Taylor Holly, you know, he played on the inside in college and really his whole life. He was a center or a power forward. And a power forward in the NBA is much different than a power forward in college. And so most of his young life, he's had his back to the basket and he's seen the game that way. And now really he's being asked to see the game facing the basket. So he's going to have to get really good at understanding spacing, um, understanding how to play off closeouts and and shoot when it's a short closeout and drive and make a good decision when it's it's they, they run them off the line. Um, eventually, I think he'll add layers and layers to his offensive game. But initially, it's just understanding kind of the basics of spacing, driving closeouts, uh, crashing. Reading, when, reading the floor, period. Reading your defense, yeah. Correct. And, you know, I think he'll grow to where he's got the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, but you got to walk before you can run. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to watch. There was one moment I wanted to ask you, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. You don't have to answer this if you don't want, but I'm curious. He did get his shot blocked, which is unusual for a guy with his size and wingspan. Any thoughts of like guys from the G league to an NBA game just have to catch and speed up the operation a teeny bit. Yeah. The, the, the window of offensive decisions from college to the G league is like going from a highway, uh, to a super highway and from the G league to the NBA, it's going from a super highway to the Autobahn where they're there. It's just, you have a fraction of a second to make a decision because he is big and he is athletic, but so are the guys he's playing against. And so those windows of decision, Every level you go up, you have to be quicker and quicker and more instinctive uh, when those decisions are coming at you in real time. Yeah, go-kart to F1, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that's a better analogy. Yeah. No, no, I looked at the new Autobahn because <laughs> yeah, that was the word yeah, I was yeah. thinking in my mind. Um, tell me a little bit about Bryce Sensabaugh. We haven't seen a big sample size of him yet, but what's been impressive about Bryce so far? You know, Bryce came uh, to the Jazz as being one of the best college scorers in college basketball for a freshman. I mean, he's really got a gift offensively 
and has the ability to score in a lot of different ways. And he's learning how that translates at this level because he's, again, he's doing it from go-kart to, to F1. Um, and so learning how to be efficient and pick and choose and read the game to where he he's not only putting the ball in the basket, but he's doing it in an efficient manner that translates for when he comes uh, to the Jazz. The thing I've been most surprised, he, he really can see passes and deliver them. Mm. In some respects, he's been our best passer where, you know, he's attacking to score and, and the decision to score isn't a good one. And he's able to deliver like really high level passes. And that's not something I saw last year in watching him for ESPN. Um, so that's that's been really exciting. You know, I think the the, the big challenge and the, the area of growth for him is on the defensive end. Um, because he's also guarding guys who were one of the best scorers in college basketball too, or one of the best scorers in the world. So how, how do you, uh, continue to be more efficient on the offensive end and then guard guys, um, with equal, uh, talent to you on the offensive end. And he's grown a lot in that area. And I think he'll continue to grow in that area. Okay, I'm getting run out of time, so I want to be quick on these others. But tell me about some of the other three-way guys. So Micah Potter's a young man we've gotten to talk to a lot. Yeah. And he's, like, having monster numbers in G League games. Like, what will it take for him to to get a roster spot in the NBA? Because I feel like he's so close because he's kind of dominating. Yeah, you know, I think he's uh, really close as well. You know, Micah's got great, great size but also great skill. And, you know, one of the things I've talked about to Micah in the G League is – you know, you, you're, you're a powerful athlete, but you have great skill. You have to strike the right balance between skill and force. And he's been able to do that uh, to a large degree so far. I think he's averaging a double-double in the G League. And when it's time to be skilled, he's been skilled. And when it's time to be, you know, powerful and forceful, uh, he's doing a better job of that. How about Johnny Juzing? You know, Johnny, uh, I think, is really close, too. You know, he's got good size for a wing. He's He uh, can really shoot. His efficiency offensively has been terrific for us, and that's a function of, of creating and taking good shots. And then on the defensive end, being that guy that you can put on another big wing and, and, and force him into lower percentage plays, that's an area he's gotten better at and I think needs to continue to get better at. And then just quickly, Josh Christopher. You know, Josh is a, a guy that uh, came into the NBA and, and spent time in Houston. Uh, it was known as a scorer. And, you know, one of the things that we hope to help him is is to balance his ability to score and, and use him as a point guard to see and grow his decision-making. Josh has had an amazing attitude. I've loved coaching him. He's grown as a player. And, you know, we're putting him in spots that are somewhat new to him. Um, but for the most part, he's handled that really well, and I think he'll continue to grow in in many areas. Okay, two more quick questions. Um, one thing that I find fascinating is, so, like, if you're a two-way player and you're in the G League, like, you've got to practice with the Stars, then you might practice with the Jazz, then you might play in a Stars game and then play in a Jazz. Like, it's chaos. How are you navigating load management and the bodies and physical and mental um, availability, I guess, of these guys? Because it's a lot. Yeah, you, you know, one of the things we ask our guys to do is to be flexible and be adaptable. And uh, if we're asking our players to do that, uh, we have to do it as well as coaches. And 
It's really trying to keep a pulse on what not only the team needs, but what an individual needs. And for the guys that are splitting time, uh, you know, I my two ways and, and the assignment guys were in practice today with the jazz um, is understanding, you know, their bodies need rest too. I mean, and, and these are young guys. I mean, these are grizzled veterans. Um, so we, we try to be aware of what they're going through. We try to keep open lines of communication um, and be flexible and adaptable to not only what our group needs, but what the individual needs as well. I think the league has really dedicated themselves to development. And it's what you're talking about is you want to help kids get to their dream, which is, of course, a big contract in the NBA. How are you looking forward to the G League showcase and kind of what do you want for your guys in that moment? Well, I want uh, our program and each individual in it to to be able to put their best foot forward in front of an entire league of decision makers because that's what the showcase is. It showcases the G League and the G League players to all the important decision makers in the NBA. And while that's important to each individual, we have a the individual has a better chance of showing their best if we're connected and we collaborate as a team. So we want to we want to be primed and ready for that uh, to be at our best on the biggest stage, which in this first part of the season of the two seasons of the G League uh, is the G League showcase. Yeah, it's cool. All the GMs are there and and it's right at the beginning of the two-way or 10-day contract period. So if teams are looking for guys they can pick up on a 10-day, they've just seen the showcase so they have a good idea, right? Yeah, it's uh it's really um a great opportunity for for all the G League players to to show who they are and we want them to show the best of who they are. And in order to do that, we have to get the individual ready, but we also have to come together as a team to where um, we're helping each other look our best and we're putting each other in positions uh, to highlight the strengths that may be uh, embraced by a NBA organization. So um, I think our guys are excited about it. We're building to that um, as a group and uh, we hope to be at our best in, in that moment. All right, well, thank you so much. Um- by the way, if people have not seen it, your shooting competition with Will Hardy on Jazz Plus. Are you proud of your work there? Give us a give us a review of it. You know, I uh, you got to let the head coach win, right? Um, no, he it, it, it was it was fun. It's a, it's such a cool thing that uh, that he does, and and he asked the question that I get asked all the time: Did I st- I start the floor slap? And I had, the, the on the defense when they yeah. come down, slap the floor for Duke. Did you start it? I did not. It, it, but uh, Tommy Amaker and that that original group of kind of Coach K uh, tree started it. It was just probably what I was best at as a player. Yeah, which you know you had flair with it though. You had a little drama yeah. with it. I had emotion behind it. So, and then you were a good defender. I, I tried to be. I, I had Battier and Brand behind me, so they they uh, they allowed me to play to my strengths. All right. Well, the Duke Brotherhood is strong, but the Utah Stars Brotherhood is growing even stronger. I like it. Thank you, Coach Wojo. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Front Row.